We're starting a brand new series for the next four weeks that has to do with making decisions. Many times in life we are hit with questions that draw us into having to make a decision. Sometimes decisions you never thought you would have to make. For example, you're in a relationship and it's getting pushed further along really fast, faster than you want it to go, and you're wanting to put on the brakes, but you don't want to lose them in the process, but at the same time, you're not ready to go that far and that fast. You must make a decision on something you never wanted to do. Listen, at some point, and in many points in our lives, we are forced to make a decision, and this decision solely rests on us. It's my decision. That's the title of our series, It's My Decision. But it's a decision we never wanted to make or planned to make. The time is always compressed. There seems never be enough time to make what we think is the right decision. And if I don't act now, I could lose out on this relationship or I could miss out on this great opportunity. And in that time compression, our information is always limited. We wish we could learn more. Basically, we want to know the future, but we can't, for we are forced to make a decision. I think about Paul the Apostle in all of this. See, Paul was arrested and placed in a jail in Caesarea. And after spending about two years, there was no progress. There's no solution to his case. So Paul was forced to make a decision. Festus wanted to please the Jews, so he asked Paul if he minded going up to Jerusalem there and be judged before him concerning these things that are said about him. Well, Paul knew that if he went up to Jerusalem, he would never get a fair trial and he made the decision he's going to appeal to Caesar and stand before Caesar there in Rome. And since he was a Roman citizen, he could do that. A few days after Paul appeared or appealed to Caesar, King Agrippa, another king of another region of Israel, came to visit Festus there in Caesarea. And Festus told Agrippa about this guy named Paul and his situation. And when Agrippa heard about Paul's case, he wanted to meet Paul. Well, after, you know, Paul met Agrippa and he heard Paul's story, Agrippa said, this man could have been set free, but he appealed to go to Caesar so he can't be set free. And they were in, you know, listen, and you know the story, they had, that trip to Rome was really a bad trip. They're in a terrible storm. The ship was coming apart at the seams. They had to throw the tackle, the cargo over and all and everything. They knew it was the wrong time of the year to be sailing, but they sailed anyway. They made the decision to sail, and Paul warned them ahead of time, you know what, this is not going to be good. Lives are at stake. And, of course, they went through the storm, and he was absolutely right. They almost all died, but they were able, by the grace of God, to swim to shore by the skin of their teeth. And then, of course, once they got on shore, Paul was bitten by a poisonous snake. It's like one thing on top of another. But Paul had to live with the decision when he appealed to Caesar and the consequences and the sequence of those decisions. And he was at the mercy of other decisions on the way. If Paul would have known the future, that as Agrippa said, he could have been set free, he might not have ever made that decision. Paul wished he would have known the future. Listen, it's very, careful, very important for us to understand. The right or the wrong in our story, in our decision-making, whatever the case might be, we are so unaware in decision-making there is something huge that hangs in the balance of it all. We make a big decision, but, we, but, we, but really don't know just how big it really is. Why? Well, because we, don't want, because we don't know what hangs in the balance and the significance of those decisions that we make. 
Listen, there's a fundamental thing when it comes to making decisions. And the decision I'm about to make has this question attached to it. Am I being completely honest with myself? That's going to be laced in all four of our lessons. Am I being completely honest with myself? Because there is one thing most of us have in common. We're experts on selling ourselves on something that we really want to do or not do. Your gift in life is maybe not salesmanship. You might be the worst salesperson on earth. You couldn't sell in the secular world if your life depended on it. But when it comes to selling yourself on something you want to do, you and I are very, very good at this. We do this self-talk. We think about how easy it is to talk yourself out of exercising and into cake. I mean, think about it. We can sit there and actually come up with reasons. You are scheduled to run or go to the gym or meet with your trainer, and it's that time to go. But you say to yourself, well, I don't want to go. I just don't want to do it, plain and simple. No, we never say that to ourselves. We always have an excuse. We say, I'm leaving the house later than I wanted to. I don't want to go. I'm leaving work later than I wanted to. I don't really think I have time. I need to go by the grocery store. I'm, I feel a headache coming on. You see, we're talking to ourselves, and we sell ourselves on an idea. And the idea could be a bad idea. But who does it hurt? It only hurts us. We're only to blame because it is my decision. It's like if we are confronted with two options that we're to decide on, the one that my heart gets so easily wrapped around and the one that has the most emotional appeal, my heart will say, I want some of that. And then my heart sends my brain a signal to find us some good reason why my heart can do this. We want that now. Brain, give me a good reason. Okay, says our brain. Here's a good one. You know, you don't have time to go to the gym. You feel like there's a headache coming on and so forth. But listen, here's the kicker. We start actually believing our own made-up reason for bad decision. You know how I know this is true because we would all be healthier and wealthier. You'd be more fit. You'd have more money in your bank account. And the reason you are not healthier or wealthier is because you and I talk ourselves out of it. That's what you did. That's what I do. Why? Because we are not really honest with ourselves. And if we are honest with ourselves as Christians, as believers, we are not on a truth quest. We're really on a happiness quest. And when it comes to if I should be in that relationship or take that job or go to that college, we lean more into what will make me happy, and then I request my brain to find me some reason to take the happy route, and my brain will find one, but it's really very deceptive. It's really not the truth. But here's what we know. What makes me happy today will make me unhappy tomorrow, because happiness is a fleeting emotion. People get married and divorced for the same reason. He makes me happy, but now he does not make me happy. I think I'll be happy if I'm married to them. I believe I'll be happy if I'm not married to them. People start and, and stop smoking for the same reason. I like how it makes me feel after I eat. I don't like how it makes me feel when I wake up in the morning. You see, understand, we for the most part are on a happiness quest. Our heart gets latched on to an option that we start coming up with reasons we lie to ourselves, and here we are going down the wrong path. We buy things we don't need. We do things we should not do. We have no one to blame but ourselves. Why? Because we don't ask the question, and we really should be asking the question, am I being completely 
honest with myself. Another word of saying that is, why am I doing this, really? Why am I doing this, really? I will not speak for you, but I'll speak for myself. The reason I don't ask that question is because it's very convicting. It's an uncomfortable question. Because there's times I really don't want to know. But if you and I want to make the right decision and look back on a defining moment in our life for that relationship, for that job location, for that school, or purchases, am I being completely honest with myself? Is it true? Does my heart signal my brain for an excuse I need to do? I'll give you the answer to that, but let me first set up the story for you in the Old Testament where Jeremiah was a prophet. He was a prophet at around 580 B.C. there in Judah, the southern portion of Israel. The kingdom of Israel had split, and he was in the southern kingdom called Judah. But here's what's interesting. He prophesied at a time when God was judging the nation of Israel. Israel was not being obedient to God. They had fallen away from God. They had abandoned God, and they were worshiping idols at this particular time. And so Nebuchadnezzar came down there from Babylon, and he conquered them. And he set up a king named Jehoiakim and said, listen, you are my vassal king. You're not in charge. I am in charge. And the very thing is you're working for me. So send your money. Send your taxes to me. And Jeremiah the prophet went to Jehoiakim and said, look, the reason we are under the rule of Nebuchadnezzar in Babylon is because God is judging the nation of Judah. So just do as he says. Send him taxes. Send him the money. Don't get any ideas that you're a real king because you're really not. But Jedekiah, or Jehoiakim, excuse me, is thinking, I am a king, and he decided not to send the taxes. He decided to, to form an army, and so he decides to do that, you know, to help him free himself from the nation. Of course, Jeremiah says, this is a really, a really a bad idea, not a good decision, but he didn't care. He's going to do it anyway. He didn't understand that God is not on Israel's side because he's judging them right now and using Babylon to do that, but he does it. Of course, Nebuchadnezzar comes down and he just squashes out, you know, uh, Jehoiakim and he puts a new king in charge named Zedekiah. Well, ends up, long story short, Zedekiah does exactly the same thing. He decides after a couple of years he's going to combine his, his army with, with Egypt and they'll be able to take on Nebuchadnezzar. And of course, Jeremiah tells Zedekiah, this is really, really a bad idea. You shouldn't be doing this. And he kept telling him, but Zedekiah was not listening to Jeremiah. You got to understand that Jeremiah is watching these kings make some terrible decisions because Nebuchadnezzar came down and he wiped out Zedekiah. He killed all of his family in, in front of him and then poked out his eyes at the very same time. These kings were going by their heart. They felt in their heart this is the right decision to make. And in this book, the book of Jeremiah, he makes a statement of why you cannot trust the heart in these kinds of decisions. He says it this way, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? And that's important to note. Who can know it? When it comes to making decisions, you and I have a potential to deceive ourselves. And God does say the heart is, God doesn't say the heart is dishonest. No, he says it is deceitful. Those two words are two different meanings completely. You've met people who are so dishonest that when you meet them, you know that they're dishonest people. You hear them talk, and you know they're just lying the whole time. But deceit is different, for we can take a little truth and a little lie and mix them both together, and we can fool ourselves. We can fool others. We can manipulate ourselves 
We can manipulate others. We can take a little bit of truth and non-truth and mix together so we can make a wrong decision. That's what our hearts has the ability to do. Our heart can sell us on some of the dumbest things. And as we look back on it, we find ourselves saying, I should have seen that coming. Why didn't I see that coming? He also says in this too, he says that uh, who can know it? That's the problem. Who can actually know the heart? We can look at things that we bought and we go, what was I thinking? We can look back on past relationships and go, what was I thinking? That's the problem. Who can know it? If our heart is left unchecked, if you just let it go and not pause and ask yourself the question, why am I doing this really? Am I being completely honest with myself? If you don't pause from time to time and ask yourself that question, why am I doing this? If you don't do that, your heart, my heart, everybody's heart can and will deceive us. Thus, you will not be, a, you will not be healthier or wealthier. You know, I can look at our own kids and when they're in middle school and high school and they do something wrong and they make a dumb decision. And as they are in the, as we're in the argument process with them, with your kids, you listen to their argument with you and you're thinking that is really not the real reason why you did that. That's not the real reason why you're not studying. That's not the real reason why you want to have dinner with us. And they have all these reasons. Their brain is giving them all this rationale. But we are thinking, no, you're just being selfish. You're just being lazy. We know that. No, we, we can see through their lie. But when it comes to us, we believe our own story. Why? Because my heart and your heart is deceitful. Jeremiah says in the NIV, it's, it's beyond anything else. It is desperately wicked, or it means in the NIV, it's beyond cure. It's beyond cure. So, what do I do with this information? Well, here's what you can do. You can ask yourself, am I being completely honest with myself? And when you do that, you're identifying the potential to be deceived. And in that, you can put in safeguards. You have just become accountable to yourself. The reason why I want people to believe I'm richer than I am, because honestly, I'm insecure. The reason I want to get into that relationship is because I'm lonely. The real reason I made that decision is I want my parents to approve of me. Hey, the real reason we are moving in together is not because of financial reasons. The real reason I do prescription drugs is not because it helps me sleep. The real reason I don't go to church that often is not because of the kids or work. Now, you have become accountable to yourself. And then you can begin to experience God's amazing grace in your life. As Jesus said, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. There's a freedom that takes place. Listen, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? That is the truth. But the truth is also you can be free from its control. Our hearts will never change, but our relationship to our hearts can change. That's the good news.